Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently here in Manila, Philippines, visiting my in-laws and checking out the amazing sightseeing attractions. And of course, doing my business as well, running different workshops and seminars, and of course, interviewing my podcast guests. And one of the things I love to do is interview fellow dads, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow authors, fellow Canadians, and I have one here on the show today. Uh, my guest today, his name is Tom Dada, and I have actually met him in Vancouver uh, through different business events, and I'm super honored and pleasured uh, to invite him here on the show as a guest. Tom is the founder of Create, a leadership development firm focusing on growth-oriented entrepreneurs and professionals. He's also the author of The Way of the Quiet Warrior, uh, 90 Days to the Life of Desire, which I had a chance to read uh, over the last week, actually. A phenomenal book all about the hero's journey and the great fusion between fiction and fable. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit more about Tom's journey, his story, his business, his book, and his amazing six-step process for you guys who are listening and watching called Self, Vision, Path, Blueprint, Launch, and Community. So lots to talk about, so let's get to it. Tom, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm great. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show, Ricky. It's great to meet you. And by the way, I have this amazing book I found. It's, uh, I think it's written by you. <laughs> uh, thank you for the shout out, my friend. Thank you for the shout out. I have the Kindle version of your book as well. I ordered the digital version. It doesn't look quite as good, but it's still, still pretty amazing. There you go. The digital version. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. Tom, uh, why don't we firstly get to know you a little bit better? Why don't we trace it back to uh, your, you know, your origin and your growing up and then you getting into entrepreneurship? Let's hear a little bit more about your hero's journey and your story. Well, thanks very much, Ricky, and uh, pleasure to be here. And, you know, when we talk about the hero's journey, I just want to mention that that is that narrative is by somebody that I learned from. His name is Joseph Campbell. And uh, as a nugget to some of your readers and listeners, if you go to the internet and find a, there's a Netflix called Finding Joe, it's about 90 minutes. And it really changed my life learning from Campbell. So the hero's journey is, is really about taking a journey. And, you know, we hear this call to adventure in our life many times. I think Ricky Shetty heard a call and answered it. But sadly, we don't answer the call. Many people don't, and they live in some kind of desperation. Well, I heard the call to adventure many times. So what I'd like to do is rather than just tell you my resume and all the things I've done, I want to take you back and get you into my story. Is that okay, Ricky? All right. Uh, well, um, you know, I'm the son of immigrant parents. My mom and dad, I love my mom and dad. And it's been a, a hard year, Ricky, because my father died in January and it's been an adjustment. And I love my mom and dad. My mom's a senior. She's still here. And so my parents were born in the Fiji Islands and their grandparents or my grandparents were from India. And uh, we, I was born on a military base in the United Kingdom. My dad was a British Army officer. He was a commanding officer. And uh, when dad was young, he didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He was in the Mormon church, believe it or not. And so I was born on a base. And, hey, a few, few years later, traveled to this great country we call Canada. And I settled on the West Coast. Uh, but like your book, what I admire about the book is 100 stories of what good dads look like. Unfortunately, I didn't have a good dad. And my father, well, let me just say that he was a violent man. He became an alcoholic, Ricky. And my home up until my mid-teens was full of violence. And uh, I call it a chamber of torture. Dad uh, had many adulterous affairs, never hid them from the family. He, uh, unfortunately, on one night broadsided a woman and child in the car. And he almost uh, became a murderer, as I like to say. 
And I was the black and blue kid. And you know what? I say it with a smile on my face now because it's what happens to you in your life that makes you stronger. But all those things that were going on, the good news is, is I just want to draw a picture for you that I was standing on the driveway of our home in Delta, British Columbia in my mid-teens. And I was watching the home being taken away. My parents got divorced and my family broke up. And I took the rules and the belief systems I, I learned from that chapter in my life, and I went into corporate America. And I'll finish the story this way. You know, I started climbing the corporate ladder. I started out after a bit of university in the banking industry as a teller. I became a manager at age 21, Ricky, and then a CEO at age 31. And I had a dream of being a CEO. I just didn't know what it was. But here's the thing. When I arrived at that at age 31, there was something missing. My soul had a hole in it. And even when I got married to Anna, my wife, who's now 23 years, my partner, and uh, she said, you know what, Tom? She said, you're a good looking guy. You've got, you know, we got a nice home. You got a great job. You're a CEO. That's top job. And I said, yeah, but there's something missing. What I realized, Ricky, is I took the rules and beliefs that were put in me by the experiences in my childhood. And I thought that's just everybody's story. And went out into the real world and I applied that in leadership and in business but not only that, I was a dad. My first, my daughter was born when I started that leadership work. But I have two stepchildren. Nobody wrote the book on that. So I started realizing that there are people in the world that didn't have what maybe others had, great dads. And we had to navigate and learn how to be better. So from all of that, that story, Rick, it came my journey. And that started 10 years ago. And that I was really sad inside. And I was on the outside looking good. And I thought, hmm. I want to find the real meaning of what happened. Why did that happen in my life? What can I do with it? How can I weaponize it and turn it into something great? To line myself up with Ricky Shetty and all those other great dads and just be proud that, you know what, I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> You're too kind, my friend. Uh, you've gone through this remark remarkable journey, you know, from the pain uh, to now the passion and the purpose. You've really uh, had a huge turnaround, and I just want to acknowledge and congratulate you for turning around and not becoming a victim of your past and not becoming a gangster or a murderer or like, <laughs> like your dad, you've Thank definitely you. turned around. So good on you. Yeah, no, that's great. And so, you know, what happened is in 2009, uh, I started this journey and I, I said, I want to go on a discovery, Ricky. And one of the things I've learned is that, you know, if you, if you reach up and you find mentors, if you weren't mentored by a great mom or dad, you have to find mentors around you to understand and learn more. So I went on this journey of self-discovery, and you know, I, I'm a I'm a a fan of great speakers and learning from people like you. And one of my favorite speakers in the United States is Les Brown, and I'll never forget it. He said in one of his talks that you need to do your stuff, you need to work on your stuff, you need to work on, and I call it the self. So this is one of my first tips to dads: is that you know, before we can be dads and be greatness to, to others, to our children, to love them, we have to wake up in the morning. We have to love ourselves first. And when we love ourselves first, I learned that you can go out and be in service to others, including your children, including your wives and, you know, and the people that you might work with. So I had to find mentors and many of them came along on my path and spoke into my life. Um, people like uh, Napoleon Hill, who's no longer with us, but Joseph Campbell, I mentioned, uh, a Dr. Taylor Hartman, who taught me about personality science and learning what people's motives are. You know, Tony Robbins, I went down to his, his Day with Destiny program and, and it changed my life. 
It helped me understand what my values were. And all of that led to the idea of, you know, I've taken this journey to transform myself, to really fix some things that were broken. And in the corporate sector, I mentioned I became that CEO guy. And I don't want to sound arrogant. You know what, Ricky, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO, a business owner, uh, uh, independent business owner like I am now. It's, it's really about, you know, what's your story and how great you are, you know, within, you know, how can you make great relationships with other people? But what started happening is I started getting feedback in early in my career. This leads to my body of work with uh, leadership. And, you know, on the outside, I was winning awards and corporate America rewards you, Ricky, for climbing the ladder fast and achieving things, being goal driven. And I was doing all those things. Uh, but here's the thing, Ricky, I started getting feedback, 360 feedback from coaches and other people that, you know, I was uh, arrogant. I was maybe insensitive. Sometimes I was told that I didn't care about people's feelings. And don't get me wrong, Rick. I mean, you know me now and you've met me. And I tell this story to people now and they say, Tom, you were like that? And I say to them, yeah, absolutely. You know, I had a flawed character because if you go back to my story, my father was a command and control style man. He was in the military, a commanding officer, and he was also a violent man. So I took a lot of those things and, and that went into my, my subconscious and that ruled me in my leadership. And not only arrogant and insensitive, but I couldn't always rally and hold teams together. So I hit a wall in my career in the first 10 years. And when I became that top job, I remember I reported into a, a board of directors in the United States, and it was in Baltimore, Maryland. And well, one day they called me and they said, we're going to get you a coach. And I said, oh, goody, what's, what's that? <laughs> and I said, I'll take, I'll take it. If it, But I was in denial that I needed any co coaching. And the thing I've learned, by the way, meeting other leaders is that a lot of people who are closed to seeing their blind spots, they don't think they need coaching. They don't think they need a mirror and somebody to stretch them. Well, they gave me a coach and they paid a lot of money for it and I took it. And this woman was from Toronto, Canada. She followed me around for, oh gosh, probably a month, took notes, watched me in meetings. And then one day, Ricky, in a boardroom, almost like in a room like this where you and I are sitting, she broke me. She sat down and she said, Tom, I want to give you some feedback. She said, first thing is, you know, there's a lot of good things you're doing. You're winning awards. Uh, you're building the company. You're achieving goals. You know, the company was a problem company and you're starting to turn it around. But she said, unfortunately, one of the things that I have to tell you is that there's some issues and you've got to make some change. And I was in denial, Ricky, because I couldn't see it. And I said, and, I, and so she kept giving me the feedback. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, people around you sometimes feel it's just about you. And, you know, you don't care about their feelings as much as the goals of the company. And, you know, maybe you're, she said the words grandstanding and driving too hard. And Ricky, when I look back at that, that's exactly how I used to lead people. It was always about me. And it was always about driving them so hard because I was a perfectionist. And I could be sitting in a room like this with people and they would start sliding in their chairs and I couldn't even see that. And so that's my next tip is that, you know, and there's a lot of science in the brain that, that I've learned about the subconscious and the conscious minds. And you have, a, you have a conscious mind, but you have a subconscious mind. And wired in that is uh, memories and thoughts and it rules us. It controls everything we do. So I could be sitting in a room back then and there could be a guy named Ricky across the table and he could be kind of a he could be kind of an arrogant hard driving kind of personality 
maybe in your face, a little rude. And my brain would say that thing over there looks a lot like my dad. And so I would start blocking Ricky and I would start doing things subconsciously in my behavior because that I thought that was my dad. And so part of my own discovery was learning about how the you know, belief system that I developed from my early years manifested itself in my present day life. Now, sometimes I'll say to leaders when I do coaching, I'll say that life and business all connect together. Um, life, business, being a dad, it's all connected. And uh, I see you know, you're not in there. And the thing I'm trying to say is, is that, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think all dads or, or all people in the world are broken. But let's face it, and I'll say this to people I coach, what are you pretending not to know? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story. And there's some, some, something in our lives that maybe has happened, but it manifests itself and it shows up in our leadership, not only our leadership in the companies we run, but our leadership with our children. I was parenting two preteen stepsons and a new daughter. And I can tell you that some of the things I probably did parenting them weren't exactly the best way to parent them. So it manifests itself and it can trip us up and can hold us from our success. And so I decided after learning about myself and then having to make some changes on that particular day, the coach said to me, she said, you know what, Tom, she said, if you want to be the man and run the company, she said, you're going to have to make some change. And in that meeting, Ricky, I broke down. I had some tears. It was a very private moment. It's when I hear this, my call to adventure, like I say, Joseph Campbell, it was at that moment where I said, you know what, I, I want to be better and I want to go out and make some change in myself. I call that becoming charactered. Uh, that's when you develop something in yourself that's not innate in your personality, or perhaps you fix something in your personality, uh, like being insensitive, and you become abundantly better and everything changes. So that's led me to writing the book after I did my self work and discovering about what drove me, you know, my strengths, my limitations, the things might be tripping me up in my leadership. And remember, I'm talking about age 31 here. I'm much older than that now. I wanted to change. And that's what they say about people who become greater is that they wake up one day and they say, I've had enough pain. Sometimes they get angry and they say, I just want to be better and I want to change. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Ricky, do you know, if I was to ask you, what percentage of people actually do you think take the journey to make that type of character change what might you say not enough my friend probably like less than 20 percent, less than 10 percent. yeah you're smart guy ricky i mean it's it's about five percent and here's the reason why because becoming character and making that kind of shift is hard and for some people it takes months some people it takes a lifetime that led me to writing the book so the book itself the way of the quiet warrior and honored that you would mention it um i remember Call, talking to my book team and we, and you know, maybe thank you for sh- sharing the picture. And uh, that picture is my badass picture, by the way. So there's a story behind that too, but Ricky, for the sake of your, for the sake of your show format, do you want me to talk about the book and, and how that came about and, and some things about that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, get into the book. And uh, you know, like obviously you had this big uh, moment uh, with the call to adventure, as you put it, uh, and then you uh, processed it, right? You processed the uh, subconscious, the deep wounds, uh, went through that healing. And then the book, I mean, the book is part of the catharsis. So walk us through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so as part of that, it, part of that is about my background. So I want to just talk about that because in the initial uh, ta- introduction, we didn't get into that. And I, did, I don't like 
uh, talking about my resume because it's just not it's not me. But I spent 30 years. So 31, I became that top leader. I spent 30 years working. I call it corporate America, but both sides of the border, Ricky. I've worked in five different sectors, different types of companies, public, private sector, not for profit. And I, I've even worked in volunteer work and mental health on a board uh, level. So I've done a lot of different things. And back then, my average job span would be about three to five years. And they started giving me a nickname of uh, Tommy Gunn. And a hard gun, I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but a hard gun and yeah, a hard gun is somebody boards or leaders hire to make tough changes. Sometimes to reorganize the company, Ricky. Sometimes to go in and clean up the crap that somebody didn't deal with. Maybe to clean up somebody's poor performance. Or maybe I've gone into situations there where there's been cultures that are toxic, where there's been uh, uh, harassment and other issues. And by the way, all of the work I've done in those type of cultures has led back to what we just talked about. It is about the, the disconnect between the leader's blind spots that comes from something from the first 10 or 15 years of their life, which shows up in their leadership. So Tommy Gunn was my nickname. And when we started thinking about writing the book, I said to my book team, I said, how about, I have this idea, how about we write it as a business book, but also as a fictional book? And you mentioned that, and I'm so honored that you did. The funny thing is, Ricky, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this, but I, I get bored reading. <laughs> so, man, as a testament to your book, when I read Wisdom from Daddies, I didn't put it down. I finished it. And I went, man, this is a great book. But I get bored reading, and through my life, I've been given a lot of books, and including from authors like you. And the reason why I get bored is is because one of, one of the things I've realized is I get I get uh, sometimes I have anxiety, so I will, my mind will race and I'll be thinking about a million different things and I just can't stay focused. So I thought, hmm, maybe let's write it a different way. I don't know if you've heard about the book called The Five Temptations of a CEO or The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Now, yeah, those two. Uh, uh, Patrick Lanconi. Yeah, you're a smart guy. Patrick Lencioni wrote those, and you know he's an Italian, and I, I joke with my wife because she's Italian that he's another WAP, <laughs> and I'm just kidding. And we all love each other. We all love each other in my family. But Lencioni wrote his book as a fable and, and fictional characters. I did, couldn't put it down. So we started talking about it, and then somebody in my book team said, well, what should the other character be? And so this is the other part of the story linked to the book in that – in 2015, I flew down to Holland, Michigan in the U.S., got on a plane. I paid some money to do that, and I went and met a fellow named John. And this John was one of my first mentors around my new business. And I'd heard about John from another business person that I knew. And so there I was arriving in Holland, Michigan, and we, he put me up in a hotel, and we met for dinner. And that dinner, Ricky, was to get to know Tom, get to know what's behind the man. And the next day, we spent a day in a room, and I call it the blender. John put me in a room with a whiteboard, and we took 30 years of what I learned in my head out, and we put it on the whiteboard, and we turned it into my business model for my company, Create, which is about developing people. Mm -hmm. And so going back to that night that was with John, we were having a cocktail. I'm not a big drinker, but we were having a drink, and he had somebody sitting with him from his office taking notes. And he said, so tell me, what do you do? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, you know, I'm a business person, but I said, I'm just an average guy. And I said, I, I just, everywhere I go, I, I said, I'll tell you one thing that happens. When I meet people, and my mom used to say this, she said, Tom, people just want to talk to you. They want to be around you. They want to share with you what they know. And I'm a, what I call a blue personality. Ricky, my motive is to build deep relationships with people. I've, 
done the self-work to learn that. And it's in my book. And so my motive is intimacy. It's like, if I meet Ricky, we're going to get stuff done, but I'm going to do it through 